reliability, or laziness dominates the phlegmatic. This is the fourth and final episode dealing with one's temperament in the interior life. The phlegmatic is naturally gentle and humble, but may need to acquire the virtues of audacity and fortitude. Strictness and repetition are indispensable in the proper training of the phlegmatic, who prefers routine and resists change. Mortification is a must for him to effectively resist the easy comforts of the world. All this and more is discussed by Kevin Rorty of Soka in this 26th episode of Our Lady's Shock Troops. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, content director of the Fatima Center, joined today by Kevin Rorty of Souls of the Christian Apostolate as we continue our discussion on the interior life in this series, Our Lady's Shock Troops, Spiritual Shock Troops. Uh, welcome, Kevin. Good to have you again. Hey, David. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. By the way, Kevin, just to let you know, we are pretty much hitting our second season. Uh, we have now been doing this show for a little bit over a year. Let's so, go. Uh, All right. Yeah. I know the fall is coming. The colors are changing. It's getting dark earlier. I'm like, hey, this reminds me of the earlier shows we were doing at the start. Anyone so. who's been uh, watching for a year straight better be in the illuminative stage by now. Or... <laughs> I'm not in the illuminative <laughs> stage. I'm not just watching. I'm talking. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're putting in that investment, people. I want to see some returns here. Okay. <laughs> oh, you tell me what it's like from up there on the high illuminative clouds. Kevin. <laughs> Throw me a fish line and drag me up. All right. Um, if you will, go ahead and start us off with a prayer, please, so we can consecrate all of this work to God and Our Lady. Absolutely. So today, God willing, we can conclude at least this first part of our series on the four temperaments. We've been given a basic introduction on them, and we've discussed a little bit about their personality types, but especially, uh, you know, the difficulties they might encounter or the easier things that they'll encounter in the spiritual life, how to go spiritually. So what we've got left today is the phlegmatic temperament. And again, just with our general structure, so people recall the phlegmatic is going to be the one who tends to uh, react slowly, so they don't react very quickly. And then they have a bit of a fleeting impression. So even the impressions that are made are a bit more fleeting. So again, a cross between the others. And that certainly makes the phlegmatic somewhat unique. So what can you tell us about maybe descriptive, uh, just sort of in practical, natural levels for who might be a phlegmatic, Kevin? Yep. So the phlegmatic is known for kind of a cold, slower response. As the sanguine is known as air, choleric, fire, melancholic, earth. When it comes to material associations, phlegmatic would be water. Okay. Some of their like roles are kind of accountants, technicians, diplomats, uh, and yeah, in general, because they don't tend to have a harsh reaction, they're kind of more even keeled, consistent people, but don't let that confuse you necessarily for virtue though. Okay. So we're going to run through some of the strengths and weaknesses and then see how that might apply to the spiritual life. So as far as strengths, they can definitely be very relaxed 
quiet and calm, content with things, with themselves. They can be kind, easygoing, consistent. Um, they can be a steady and reliable friend. They can be accepting, affectionate, diplomatic. They can help connect people and bring about peace. They might be a little curious, observant, and easy to kind of make friends with. The weaknesses are that they can be sometimes shy, fearful of change, prone to laziness, stubborn, passive aggressive, indecisive, permissive, not goal oriented. They're not drawn to ideals, not very enthusiastic. They can compromise. They might be sarcastic, connected to that kind of passive aggressive tendency. Um, they can be discouraging and not very participative, just kind of like a lump on the log. Those are the general strengths and weaknesses of the phlegmatic and general, just a slower temperament and, and inclination. Yeah, sure. So um, they can certainly be very uh, easygoing. Like you said, they can get along with people rather easily. And again, just a reminder, these are not like exclusive and all be all. A phlegmatic would probably have various other characteristics of others. Um, one thing I do have read about the phlegmatic, and I've seen it because there are some phlegmatics close to me, and that's that, you know, they sort of like, let's say, have a breaking point, and then they can kind of almost like flip. And yes, I've opposite. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, with a choleric, I would say that, you know, they can be described as a hot headed, you know, they react quickly, you know, so, you know, you push them a little, bam, they react, right? Whereas with the phlegmatic, you sort of get to the accustomed to sort of pushing them, and there's no reaction, and you push, and you push, and, and there's no reaction, there's no reaction. And at yet, one point. if you, right, at that one point, when you finally do push too hard, that straw that breaks the camel back, suddenly the phlegmatic is not so phlegmatic. Yeah. You know, and, like, and then they come, can become like sort of almost like this fierce choleric, like the kind you're really surprised, like that mama bear that's protecting her cubs kind of thing. So again, that's just to remember that uh, these things are not all mutually exclusive. There is a, as God has done in his wonderful creation, you know, this uh, complex blend in it all. Uh, the one thing I would definitely say though that I've noticed is indecisive for sure. That's going to be the phlegmatic. They don't want to make decisions per se. And so you do have to challenge them on that. That's going to be one of the ways that they just grow naturally. Like if you have children, you know, children that are phlegmatic don't want to make decisions and it's too easy for someone else in the family maybe to make the decision for them. And they like that. So as parents, you sort of got to call them out on it and say, no, no, you will make this decision. Like you have to, and you got to put that pressure on because that's what's going against sort of the natural, almost like lazy thing. Yeah. Um, it's not always lazy. It's a lot of indecision. Similarly, the resistance to change is something I've noticed on the natural level. Again, positive and negative. You know, you can construe it as laziness, but it's not always that. I think with the phlegmatic, it's more that. It's that they're slow moving. And they don't want to change too much. So they resist change, which can be a great thing. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking always about recovering and restoring tradition. I mean, you know, the church has got to have that sort of tendency to resist change yep. and all our members. There's a great thing in connecting to our ancestors. But at the same time, with the phlegmatic, what I've sort of been told is with children, again, train them well, because if you can train yeah. them well on certain paths of virtue, then they won't want to get out of that path of virtue because that's change. And so their natural tendency is going to be to resist that change. Now, obviously, if you lead them in a path of vice, that much harder to get them on the path of virtue. Right. So very important to get some real strong and solid formation in these children so that, you know, like prayer, that prayer will become a routine for them and they resist the change to not pray, things like that. So that resistance to change can certainly be a positive if, in fact, what they're doing is good. 
obviously a negative if what they're doing is bad. So with the phlegmatic, just be more aware of that. And whereas the sanguine, much easier to change them, right? You can get them bouncing from one project to another. You're not going to have that ease with the phlegmatic. So you really got to make sure you're laying some solid foundations with them and getting them on that right course so they don't want to get out of it. Yeah, definitely. And I would say my observations of phlegmatics that they tend to, that side of them where they're not goal oriented, especially coming from the cleric tendency is very pronounced uh, in terms of they're not going to be driven to do a whole lot of things or, you know, there's certain people that if you share an idea with them, they're going to be like, whoa, okay. You know, like, wow, that sounds awesome. Or like, how do we plan this out at cleric, you know, sanguine, just an awe, you know, but uh, yeah, phlegmatic, they're like, oh yeah, that's nice. You know? Oh, that's good. Just kind of, okay. You know, but not that highs and lows, you know? And like you said, there's the pros and cons of that. So as far as what we can look at when it comes to spiritual life, exactly what is David pointing pointing at in terms of how you raise children and stuff um, is that they, they need to be, like you said, instructed very clearly and over and over and over, and they may need more strict harshness in a way. This is where the more fire and brimstone kind of, you know, attitude might be helpful, especially for phlegmatics that like they need a little fire under them to like, okay, yeah, I got to get going. Like I can't just, you know, treat this like it's no big deal, you know, and they might have to be told over and over again, you know, but like you said, once they get going in that, once, once it becomes the norm for them, they're kind of stable in it and they're going to be consistent. They, they like that stability. And so when it comes to the spiritual life, a lot of the meditations that, that are relevant to acedia, I think would be very helpful for phlegmatics to get themselves going because they're not going to be the most goal oriented. They need to keep at the forefront of their mind eternity and the fear of hell and the fear of missing out on great rewards in heaven um, because otherwise they can fall back to comforts of this life food and drink and um, just minimal pleasures and not have those high ideals. Right. And just uh, you used a word there. I want to make sure everyone gets it. Acedia. And so that's basically spiritual slothfulness. Yep. You, know, you can think of your capital vices, sloth being one of them, but especially here on the spiritual side. So that's acedia. And I mean, honestly, I see that everywhere around us. It's all those Catholics who basically don't want to strive for excellence, don't want to strive for virtue, or just doing the minimalism. You know, it's like, oh, is that a mortal sin? How close can I get to the cliff before that's a mortal sin? Oh, that's where I'm going to go. I mean, that that's like acedia. You know, do I have the person who asks me, you know, well, can I get to mass late? How late do I get there before, you know, it's a mortal sin or my mass obligations account, et cetera, et cetera. All these questions I think the Catholics are quite well known for um, that unfortunately reflect that acedia. So that's definitely something for us all to resist. And I do think definitely with the phlegmatic, because they seek those pleasures, but very often essential physical pleasures, the comfort that makes, let's say, life easy. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so they will gravitate towards that very naturally. And that is, I think, one of their big struggles. So even the the mortifications that we all need, um, they definitely have to work at those mortifications because they they can't just give in to those pleasures because then that will consume them and they won't even be able to move forward in the spiritual life. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that spiritual acedia and physical slothfulness will all just get them in a quagmire. And as a phlegmatic, they'll just like lay in the muck and not move forward. Yeah. And that's, I think, so to flip it to the positive side is that the phlegmatic is actually like suffering and stuff doesn't, they're not going to be complaining a whole lot on the flip side. If something's like uncomfortable or whatever, a melancholic might dramatize it a lot more than a phlegmatic would, you know, a phlegmatic, okay. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, you think of, think of like manual workers, 
like it looks really hard. They don't seem like it's that big of a deal to them. You know, sometimes that, that could be sort of an archetype of the phlegmatic. And so when it comes to difficulties in the spiritual life too, it's more just getting them to do the activity. They're not going to be, it's just doing it. Not as much like, oh, it's going to be really hard and stuff. It's just the, uh, I'm just kind of lazy or whatever. You know, I just got to, you just got to get them there. And so having a social environment that's going to help them with that. So just getting out of the occasions that like not having the possibility of a lot of media that's going to suck them in or food and things like that, not having that, like having systems in place so that it's, these things aren't immediately like gratifying to them. And then you have the positive side of like positive reinforcement with social accountability, habit tracking, things like that, that might help them stay on track and keep reminding them of this lifestyle they're trying to live in an ordered and organized way that should give them that structure that they need. And they'll, you know, as far as persevering, I think that that's, that's not as much an issue as much as it is just getting the habits in place in the beginning. Yeah. Any other characteristics or ways that you might characterize what's going on for them in the spiritual life? Um, what is it that they are going to do easily? Um, we've already talked about like some of the aesthetical practice and mortification is going to be tough for them. Definitely that aspect, but is there part of the spiritual life that comes easy to them and that they can sort of capitalize on? I think humility actually, you know, I've known a phlegmatic who really just had this very great admiration for our lady's humility. And so being drawn to that, letting that drive them in terms of I am, you know, God's creature and letting that inspire me, you know, as much as they can be inspired um, like I want to do this well, and I want to love God and coming from that lens of that sort of affection is the lens that I would definitely try to come at it for the phlegmatic as well as the flip side of, I don't think they're not one to tend to just obsess too much about hell. I don't think you have to worry as much about them, like falling into great despair necessarily as much as it is just laziness. So their strength is that they can bear, you know, more just very direct, direct things and just like, okay, yeah, and they won't be too dramatic about it. So that, that helps them stay even keeled amidst the confusing times in the spiritual life, I think. Okay. And they can be peacemakers, as you mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. Too. I mean, they can be peacemakers. They can certainly utilize that to their advantage. Meditation, is that going to be again, an ease for them? Or it's just, again, I mean, once they develop the discipline, it's hard at first and then it becomes easier, you think? Uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that would be very standard for them. Yeah. Um, they just got to get there and get used to it and and they'll learn how to do it and they won't, they won't think too much about it. They're like, yep, this is what I do, you know? Yeah. And then over time, you know, God will purify, he'll purify, especially that laziness, the spiritual laziness, because what God will want to draw out is your will to really love and that's where laziness is. I don't want to give that much, you know, I don't want to mm -hmm. put that much willful energy into this. Right. Um, and so that's where they're going to need to, um, to just, that's what guys against their natural tendency Yeah, yep. as with, as with all of these cases. So yeah, once again, I mean, just remember in all of these temperaments, there are uh, advantages, there are disadvantages, there are strengths, and you want to utilize those strengths and you've got to be able to identify those weaknesses and, and counteract them, fight against the natural tendency you have so that you're more, if you will, well-balanced and exhibiting the strengths of all. I think that's just really important in the, in the spiritual life. So hopefully through some of these shows or even reading that book we talked about on the four temperaments by Father Conrad, we flash it up on the screen again. 
learn to identify your own temperament, especially so you can grow in it. Again, not to make excuses, but so you can grow in your temperament, right? Do you know any other good resources you might be able to recommend, Kevin, for people who might be interested in reading more about the four temperaments? Fish Eaters has some good stuff on the temperaments. I would recommend looking at Fish Eaters, I'm pretty sure. Sounds good. Any closing remarks? Just interior life again. I mean, all of these, that's where God does the purifying. Whether it's getting there for some, that's going to be a difficulty, persevering through the hard times or embracing the humility that comes along the way or actually making the act of strong love amidst it all. Those are all different things each temperament's going to struggle with, but it's all encompassed in that developing that habit, growing in it, uh, maintaining it. All of them, this is, you know, I would still argue it's the core of, for all of them. Yeah. And everybody's got, I'm mean, not everybody's got, but you very likely have a little bit of each of some of each, yeah. you're going to sort of exhibit things. So you might've said something about several different temperaments that sort of resonated with you. Uh, we will all experience hardships. Uh, we're all in this world right now, living in this time that God has destined us for. And so I just do recall everyone will close reminding everyone that the only solution for our times is that message that our lady brought us at Fatima. So remember your RCSOS, Roman Catholic SOS. Pray your rosary every day. Pray it slower with greater devotion, with greater love, with greater meditation. Consecrate yourself to Our Lady. Pray for the consecration of Russia. Wear your brown scapular as she asks all the world to do. The O, offer the penances, offer the prayers, offer your daily duty. Pray for the Pope. And the last S in that SOS is the Saturday, first Saturday devotion. So make sure you're practicing that first Saturday devotion every month. Thank you very much. We'll go ahead and close with the Gloria. Nome Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Santo. Sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for, pray us. for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot, Kevin. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, David. God bless everyone. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the spiritual life, the Catholic faith, and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. May all we do be for the glory of God and salvation of souls. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us.